Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 196. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy and co-founder of the Lend It Fintech Conference. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Tim Chen. He is the CEO and founder of NerdWallet. Now, NerdWallet's become a bit of a juggernaut in recent years where they have massive amounts of information on anything to do with consumer finance, and uh, they really are becoming one of the most trusted brands in consumer finance. So I wanted to get Tim on the show to talk about you know the background to NerdWallet, what it does, how it works with many of the fintech players today, how the impact the fintechs had on on consumers, and uh, and what else is needed to really help consumers make good financial choices. And uh, we also go into into some depth about their model and about how they have the the wall between editorial and uh, and any revenue kind of opportunities. And we we, t- we talk about that in some depth as well. And he t- talks about his vision for the future of consumer finance. It was a fascinating interview. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Tim. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I'd like to get these things started by by giving the listeners uh, a little bit of background about yourself. So why don't you just share like some of the things you did actually before you started NerdWallet? Sure. My my career is one of Wall Street to Main Street, really. Uh, so I, I started off life as an equity analyst on the sell side and then on the buy side at a hedge fund uh, investing in public companies. And I think this is a pretty unique background in the sense that uh, it really gave me a view into the competing interests of, say, like business profits versus consumer welfare so, you know, what I learned at the time was there, there's a lot of industries where consumers reign supreme and businesses compete purely based on price. But then there's also other industries where businesses have moats that allow them to really avoid competition and make big and sustainable profits over time. Mm-hmm. And so I spent most of my time actually trying to like dissect and understand those situations. And we would tend to invest in businesses that were misunderstood in one direction or another and were therefore mispriced. And I see certain industries, you know, at the time, I really noted uh, certain industries that were, you know, really great businesses at the expense of consumer welfare. So things like education, healthcare, and financial services. And, you know, in the back of my mind, the entrepreneur in me always had a ambition to make a difference in one of those areas. And so that's kind of where the seed was planted. So I was fired in 2008 from my job when the recession hit, right. uh, which was a complete shock at the time. But it was also incredibly liberating uh, having you know a year or two years to really focus on pursuing my dream at that point. And uh, that's that's really where I got started. You know, during that time, one door closed and another one opened. Uh, my sister randomly called me one day and asked me for help finding a credit card, and I said, "Sure, let me Google that for you." And so I thought I'd get back to her with a response in 30 seconds, but I really found a bunch of marketing material rather than analysis that I thought was helpful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I created a spreadsheet and yeah, that spreadsheet turned into NerdWallet. It got forwarded around to a few friends, uh, quickly realized that, you know, this problem with shopping for credit cards really applied to all financial products in the sense that um, there's not a great source where you can easily compare all your different options. 
Uh, so that's really where NerdWallet started. Okay. Okay. So then when you, so you started off, was it purely just a, when you launched, was it, a, was it just a credit card comparison site? Was that how it, uh, how it launched or what? Just tell us, tell us a little bit about those early days. Sure. Uh, you know, the, it, that's exactly right. Uh, it really was a spreadsheet that um, I transcribed into a web app uh, where you could, you know, kind of talk about two or three important pertinent questions about yourself. And then we'd give you the short list of things that match your needs. You know, in our consumer research, we started to find consumers didn't want all the information. They wanted to be understood and they wanted the few options that mattered. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the, in the example of credit cards, you know, people are typically either trying to establish credit, lower their interest payments, or earn more rewards. So it's kind of important to know where they're starting from. And then we might ask a following question and maybe another one after that. Right. But you you, you, you go onto the um, site today and you, it's, it's very, it's quite impressive actually, the, the, the breadth of, uh, of information you guys provide. So when did you start to move just beyond the credit cards? And, and you know, you've now, when, when, when did you decide that you were going to cover everything pretty much? <laughs> right. Well, we, we really had to focus on credit cards for the first three years to find our footing. And then uh, we, we really started expanding after that. But knew from the start that this was a big problem in, in all verticals. Uh, today, we cover, you know, 10 plus verticals, uh, basically any popular consumer finance product. Mm-hmm. We try to give great analysis and uh, help you shop it easily. Right, right. So then, so when you're, when you're describing your company today, I mean, how do you describe it? Because it's, you, you sort of, you are doing a lot of different things here. So tell us, tell us what you say. Yeah. So we, we help consumers make smart money moves. Uh, and there's two big problems that consumers face today. The first is it's really hard to shop. Consumers leave about $55 billion a year on the table by not having the best financial products. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but we try to remove as much friction as possible from that process. And the other big uh, challenge consumers face is that money is just so complicated that they don't even know when they should be making smart money moves. Uh, so for example, you know, if you sign up for a great financial advisor or just have a friend who's really into this stuff, they might uh, let you know, hey, you know, tax time's coming, put money in an IRA, or gosh, you're probably overpaying for that mortgage or that auto insurance policy. So these things aren't things that you actually think to do. But when you start building a relationship with us, when you tell us more about yourself, we'll start proactively letting you know that it's time to think about these things uh, at, you know, in a just-in-time fashion. Right, right. Okay. So then, you know, there are obviously there are other companies offering services like this. I mean, I, like Credit Karma comes to mind. We had Ken Lin on the show uh, last year, and and there's also you know bank rate does for for simple comparison shopping. So how how do you differentiate yourself from from the others in the space? Yeah, so we 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 like to think that we have you know next level consumer trust. Uh, we believe we're the most trusted brand out there when it comes to financial shopping and education. You know, over 100 million people a year come and, and get help from us every year. And I think the reason that we've achieved these things is because our entire ethos is centered around that first spreadsheet I was just mentioning. Uh, we don't market to our consumers. We give them useful information. And I think they can really feel that. And so we've maintained editorial independence over the years. And um, it's very apparent. Uh, so, for example, I was in a meeting yesterday with a potential partner, um, and we let them know that our ed- editorial team needs to vet them before we can consider uh, adding their product to our site. We've turned down partnerships before when we don't feel like they you know, are either consumer-friendly or are one of the better products in the category. 
And so, you know, that's, that's a big part of what we do. I'd also think about segments. You know, there's, there's different needs for different types of people. And, you know, one, one way I think about the American consumer is that about half of them are paycheck to paycheck and the other half have financial choice, right? And these are two very different mindsets. I mean, we spend so much time doing consumer research and sitting in people's living rooms and trying to understand their needs. Uh, the paycheck to paycheck half really cares about, will I qualify? Uh, what's my credit limit? Um, how, can I, how can I get to that next paycheck? Um, and the people with choice have a completely different set of concerns. They have too many choices. They have you know, 10 different financial apps. They're trying to figure out how to plan with this extra money. How do I, how much do I put away? How do I create a plan that will get me to retirement? And so if you think about the behavior between these two different groups, they gravitate towards different financial solutions. And I, I would say that NerdWallet um, does cover both, span both groups, but a lot of the most complex decisions actually come when you have choice. And then that's really when you say, well, gosh, I know I can qualify for a lot of great mortgages. Where do I go? Um, how do I actually find the best options out there? That's why you would proactively go to a site like NerdWallet at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you, you see a lot of fintech innovation also on the paycheck to paycheck side. Uh, you see things like, you know, the, the solutions I find exciting are things like, you know, get my paycheck early, micro investing, save the change, uh, free credit score. Things like this are really helpful to, to try to make things a little bit better. But they, they, they answer different consumer needs. Right. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because you've, you've had this company now, um, you know, from the, you know, for about 10 years and you've seen, you know, when you started the Ford FinTech didn't exist and now it's, it's, you know, it's pretty commonplace and you've seen sort of the evolution of the, the products that you're, that you're recommending. I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, in, you know, where, where is innovation happening that is most impactful? I mean, you just, you mentioned a couple of them there, but when you're looking at sort of the different segments that you that you cover and I, you see I see them on your website right here at the top of your at the top of your homepage there where where do you think in the broad categories that that's most exciting as far as fintech innovation yeah so I think that segment framework is an important way to think about this um, if you look at the 55 billion that Americans are wasting every year by not shopping for financial products I think that really is more weighted towards uh, consumers with choice and the reason is because they're the ones that have substantial deposits earning 0% interest at a money center bank, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the consumers that have, you know, the largest loans and things like that, that they should probably think about optimizing the insurance policies, et cetera. And so innovation there uh, is really means giving consumers, you know, easier comparison, better choice, better rates. And then if you look at the paycheck to paycheck side, I also think the innovation there is very important as well. It's not as big from a dollar impact perspective, but it, maybe means a lot more to those consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think things like early paycheck are great. You know, you can get a couple hundred extra bucks instead of going through a payday lender. Uh, you can go through one of these great services that gives you your paycheck early. I do think that FinTech is more of a band-aid in those situations than an ultimate solution in the sense that fundamentally the consumer has a revenue issue and they have an expense issue. And this may give them an extra couple hundred dollars of float, uh, but it's not going to solve their uh, their their core problems, um, right. but it's it's a good attempt nonetheless. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, 
So I want to sort of dig in a little bit here into into your website. You have you have a, a mass of a massive amount of content. Uh, it's when I started sort of tooling around on this uh, over the last couple of days, and it was it was really staggering to me how much actual how much you've written about about all the different financial products and different categories. So I guess maybe the first question is around you know I'd, I'd be curious. Is it, you know, you give credit cards is on the left, on the top left of your site. Is that where you still get the most, the most traffic and the most interest in the credit card category? Yeah. So, so we're actually quite diverse site now. Um, our, our biggest category in terms of traffic, I believe is still credit cards, but it's uh, less than 20% of our overall traffic. Interesting. You know, people have pretty diverse financial needs and, you know, the source of that complexity comes from our tax code, from the fact that there's over 10,000 banks and unions out there with different products, like these things are really complicated. And so, so actually the more financial choice you have, the more complex your money management problem becomes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, that's a big part of why there's so much content. I mean, we don't write it just to write content. We're trying to cover all the areas that someone may care about. Right. Right. And you also have like, uh, I noticed many of your products, I would even say most, it seems like have a nerd wallet rating. And you, know, you mentioned you, you have to get your people in there before you can take on a partner. Um, but what what goes into that nerd wallet rating? Sure. So so these ratings are different by vertical, and they're driven by our editorial team, uh, which uh, is completely independent from our business. And so you know, if you take the example of personal loans, um, some of the things that they care about. Uh, include things like origination and late payment fees, um, impact on credit scores, transparency of loan terms, repayment options, customer support, and you know if the if the lenders face dormant scrutiny um, from regulators in the past five years, we might factor that in as well. So there's there's kind of like a broad swath of factors that matter, and you would uh, see a completely different set of factors on credit cards, for example. Uh, so we we try to really tailor it to to what consumers need, and and. The consumer insight here is really that you know consumers are overwhelmed with choice. They they need that proxy for trust that can help them understand you know where the red flags are, where the pros and cons are, and so that they, that can help them shortcut their decision. Mm-hmm. And that that's what we provide. Right, right. And so I'm looking at the personal loan category right now, and I've actually got it up with the debt consolidation loans, and you've got. You know, you, many of the companies that the the listeners, my listeners would know well, like SoFi, Lightstream, Marcus, Best Egg, Avant, Upstart, Prosper, etc. So I, I'm curious about a couple of things here. Is what does it take to get included in here? And because you don't have everybody, um, there's there's certainly some you know some companies that I thought you would have had that you didn't and and others that I that, that are a little bit of a surprise that you do have so what does it take to get in a a list in a particular category yeah i think that's a, it's driven by the editorial team so you know i i know for example that they place extra scrutiny on um, 36% plus lenders and and things of that nature not super in the weeds in terms of how they make all of these determinations, sure. but mm-hmm. it's it's really driven by some of those factors I discussed. 
Right, right. And then I'm curious about sort of the the business model. Then I mean, are you? you know, obviously, you can go and um, you can check your rate, and you can you, you can stay on Nerd Wallet while you're putting in all this information. Is your revenue model purely based then on a successful application or a successful kind of conversion, shall we say, at these at these companies? Or just tell us a little bit about how it works. Yeah, that's largely right. And in most cases, we're a matchmaker. And so we, we get paid when the customer either opens or funds account, depending on the vertical. And yeah, I, I think that's a win-win for the consumer and the bank. You know, both people are getting either a great product or a great customer that, that really understands the product that they're about to originate. I mean, for example, we hear on the credit card side that because consumers understand the product they're getting into, these things are more likely to remain top of wallet for them and have, have a longer lifespan. So uh, I'm really, really happy about the, the work we do there. Okay. So then is it possible then, like, like does, do you have a revenue partnership with every single product that you endorse here or are there some that you're doing that you that, that you recommend that you don't have a revenue partnership with I mean how like is how what you said there's a wall between editorial and the business side so I'm just curious about how how that particular piece works yeah so there we do have partners that we, we do we do recommend products that we do not have a partnership with I think most partners or most financial institutions at this point that we we think are great uh, we do have a commercial partnership with uh, but there are there are definitely exceptions and then obviously someone comes in and uh, and you said yourself that if you if you don't like the product you know whatever whoever it is you're you're not going to put it on um, and is there I mean I imagine there'd be some pressure I mean because you've got you've got potentially if you have a large a large customer that you know that you could send thousands and thousands of people to you know, how, how do you decide, like the editorial comes in and maybe it's, I'm just curious to say, right, we're, we'll, we're happy to forgo that, you know, million dollars in revenue that we're going to get this year because if we don't feel like it's a good fit. I mean, how do those conversations go? <laughs> right, yeah. So, so there, is, there is a healthy internal tension there. And, you know, the only reason that we, I, I guess there's an interesting nuance here. The only reason we even have the optionality of doing this is because most of our uh, customers come organically. Uh, we're, we're not paying for these customers. And as a result, we have a lot of flexibility to be consumer friendly and consumer first in terms of how we make these recommendations. Uh, so there's definitely huge pockets where we are under monetizing. And, you know, it, it, it varies a lot by vertical. I would say that, you know, in, in an area like personal loans, we do tend to think that because, you know, there are so many partners that have great products, we will integrate with as many of them as possible to provide as much choice as possible. There are certain areas where, you know, the editorial team might feel strongly that we shouldn't be promoting certain types of products. And that, that may be um, either based on interest rates or terms or, or just like a history of, of uh, issues that consumers have run into. Right. I notice here you don't have pay loans, for example. I mean, you have, you have bad credit loans, but they're still sub 36%. On, on your site. So obviously that that's a category that you've decided not to pursue, right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Okay. Interesting. So I, I, I want to go back to something you said earlier. And I'm just curious. You said that there was this statistic you, you quoted, I think it was $55 billion that, that consumers are wasting on bad financial choices. 
how did you get that number and what, what is that actually, is that, I mean, where does that come from? Yeah. So our editorial team did some analysis on that. And so just to give you an example, right, I think 19 billion of that comes from um, deposits that are in accounts that are not earning the highest yield you could get. And, you know, there's a, there's a big business around money center banks collecting deposits and, you know, the rates are much lower than what you could get through an online high yield savings account. And so, so that alone counts for 19 billion a year. Right. Right. That's, that, that makes sense. And it's, it's amazing to me that, that people will still put money in, in their local bank that's paying, you know, 0.1% when you can, you can get, you know, you know 20 or 30 times that elsewhere. Okay. So right. then, like today, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the fact there's so much more happening online today. So you've got a lot more. It's possible for you now to have those online savings accounts, which I guess they were to some extent when you first launched, but uh, certainly a lot more choice now. And as you see a lot of this move towards digital and move towards mobile, how is that impacting your offerings? Is it? I, I presume it makes it easier to to have a lot more, to provide a lot more choice for consumers, but just curious to get your take on the this sort of movement where, every, where all the major banks, so, and, and not only that, the digital, there's a lot more sort of digital banks coming to the fore. How is that impacting you guys? Yeah, we, we think that the, you know, the entrance of all these new fintech or digital banks uh, is great for the consumer. It increases choice. They tend to be, you know, very digitally enabled banks. And that makes integrations with us extremely easy. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing consumers uh, really gravitate towards them. I think what you're looking at, you know, a couple of years down the road is this increasing convergence towards, you know, one place uh, to, to manage your money. And, you know, that's really what NerdWallet is building. So, you know, imagine you log into this one place and there's increasing digital integration with all these banks and services. You can get the loans or deposits that are best for you when you need them um, will proactively make recommendations when you should be thinking about things that you wouldn't even think to think about. Yeah, I, I think it's inevitable that we head in that direction. We're, we're already racing there and maybe a third of the way there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So then, so then you said, you said earlier that you, you don't really um, pay for your customers to come to your site or pay for your visitors. I mean, is that purely because the vast majority are coming either from you know the search engines or from from word of mouth. I mean, how are you? What what do you do proactively to try and reach new users? Yeah, so search engines and word of mouth are huge, and you know the the other the flip side of that is just we we invest almost you know everything we make back into building great products. Uh, we have a huge number of product engineering, design, user research, uh, and content folks who are. Uh, you know, constantly trying to figure out how to improve our product, and and I think that really drives a lot of that word of mouth, as well as the other the other organic traffic channels. Uh, we are starting to pick up and do you know brand advertising, TV, out of home, and digital as well. But the thing that's making that a lot more efficient for us is the fact that consumers trust our brand so much, and that we're so pervasive in organic areas as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, that makes sense. That makes sense. So then, can you give us a sense of of the scale you guys are at, I mean, how uh, like how many people you how many people are registered on NerdWallet, or give us some sense of that. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, we're, you know, we, we serve over a hundred million people a year in terms of registered members. We're at, we're at a few million now. Um, and yeah, both numbers are growing quickly. You know, our, our goal is really to become, you know, the de facto destination for making smart money moves. And I think we're well on our way there. And this is really just within the United States uh, where we're, you know, solely focused today. So are you, does that mean you're, you're not looking internationally in the, in the short to medium term? Yeah, that's right. You know, we think that there's a long way to go between the current state of, you know, basically doing all of your money stuff in one place and where it's going to be in three to five years. And we think we can make a lot of that progress in the U.S. There's a lot of things to figure out still. I mean, there's a lot of marketplaces where the shopping experience still isn't where we think it'll go. Mortgages comes to mind. Mm -hmm. It's still very complicated and complex. And yeah, we think there's a lot of work to be done there. Right. So so just... Yeah, I mean, on, on mortgages, it's still. I mean, obviously, there's there's a, some of the newer newer fintech players that are coming in that are that are trying to make a make a difference there, and it's still a, there's a lot of friction. So what you're saying is, I mean, I guess how closely embedded are you with these companies that that uh, you know, like to say, mortgages or even personal loans or what have you, where you're really trying to work with them to improve the funnel and improve conversions and improve the user experience because it seems like there's I look at sort of some of these some of these um, companies have really just refined the user experience down to a very very limited amount of uh, uh, you know of moves on the user's behalf so how how integrated are you into the needs of of your partners there yeah, we're so we're we're working with with the major players there. I'd say I'd characterize it really as being in the first or second inning. We've got a long way to go, but I think there's w- the will on uh, both sides to continue to push those integrations. So I think it's just a matter of time. Right, right. So then, are you looking sort of to you know to replace like Mint as well, and just and and you're, you're looking. You said you want to be the one the one stop shop where someone manages their entire financial life. So are you looking to yeah, you know, to really work on the expense side as well as as well as the you know the lending and and investing side. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think about the different pieces of of what you just described is uh, you know there's there's shopping. Um, there has to be a marketplace for all the financial products out there, so that the consumer really has choice, right? And then the other piece is uh, not just choice but convenience. So can we can we help consumers? all their stuff in one place, help them budget, help them um, move money around, pay bills, do what they need to do. Uh, so that all has to happen under under one umbrella. Right, right. And then, so what about, we haven't talked about mobile. I just want to touch on that really quickly. Are you primarily finding people coming to you on mobile now or is it, or is it still kind of desktop web-based or how are, how are people interacting with you? Yeah, we, we crossed over into majority mobile maybe a few years ago, uh, but desktop is still hugely important. I mean, <laughs> we actually find that the, the time of day people are most engaged is, you know, in the middle of the workday um, during the work week. I think, you know, that's sometimes when you think they go and check in on your money. Uh, right. So, yeah, desktop is definitely hugely important for us as well. Mm-hmm. It kind of varies by vertical. You know, things that you couldn't have imagined doing on your phone, you know, five, seven years ago are now majority mobile. like. Uh, say credit cards, but there's still things like, you know, mortgages that are that you really want to be sitting at a computer to do. At least today, yes. Hopefully, that won't be that way for much longer. But uh, anyway, we're almost out of time. 
So you, you, you sort of you've talked a little bit about you've painted a bit of a, a future where this uh, where things where you you know you've Node Wallet can sort of be the hub of someone's financial life. So I'm curious. Let's just take the a shorter term approach. Like, what are you doing over the next twelve months to try and what are you focusing on to really move the needle in in that direction? Yeah, so it's it's really some of the things I mentioned. It's it's really driven by choice and convenience, right? So we we think we have a long way to go in terms of you know improving our marketplaces to make them really easy for consumers. And then on the convenience side, we're you know we're investing in our member experience, um, trying to figure out you know from a consumer perspective how to make it obvious when they should be making smart money moves, and then trying to take the friction out of making some of those smart money moves. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, it's it's a fascinating space, and uh, you know, it really is. It's amazing how far we've come, but I, as you say, it's still in the first or second inning. So, uh, I think when in a few years down the track, we'll look at back there today and think we were quite rudimentary. But anyway, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Tim. Thanks a lot. Okay, thanks for having me, Peter. Okay, see ya. You know, it really is interesting to me this whole idea of this personal financial hub where we all go to to manage our our financial lives now now banks are vying hard to maintain this sort of dominion over over the consumer and and have them be the the financial hub but then you've got you've got others that are out there like like sofi um in the, in the fintech space or personal capital that are also trying to do this and then you've got the the sort of third party companies like nerd wallet or credit karma that are that are seeking to kind of become this hub and it's going to be interesting it's going to be great for the consumer and i think there'll be more than one winner here obviously but but, you know, there's going to be in the in you know in the near future, you're going to be able to have uh, companies like Nerd Wallet that will be able to not just be your personal financial hub, but proactively make sure that your finances are being managed optimally. And I think that's that's going to be great for the consumer. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening. And before I go, just one more thing. I really would appreciate it if you would go to uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and give a short review to the Lend Academy podcast. It helps other people discover the show. So with that note, I will sign off. Thank you for listening and I will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.